Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real life zoo employees. As always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all of our thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind that we try to keep this podcast at about PG-13. So if you have younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. I'm Emily A. I'm Emily B. I'm Abby. I'm Katie. And I'm Kenzie. And with that, let's get into it. So yeah. before we start our episode, we want to give a fan shout out to Kel, who happens to be my friend slash former roommate, and her Going Zero Waste Instagram, at Sustainable K&Q. She has a really cute pit bulldog rescues uh, featured in her Instagram, so definitely go check it out. You go, girl. Mm-hmm. Way, yeah. way to be. Way to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Katie, She's do we have also... So I was just she's also a zookeeper, which is very she appropriate is for this episode. Yes. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. But yes, um going into our conservation updates, uh I saw this really cool article the other day that this past weekend uh two million people in India gathered to plant twenty million trees along the river Ganges while social social distancing. In an effort to increase the forest cover in, uh, I'm going to butcher it, Uttar Pradesh. I hope I didn't. Over the next five years. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's the plan is to help just plant a lot of trees, get a lot of carbon intake going. Love uh, it was that. carried out by volunteers, nonprofit employees, uh, and a bunch of other people who maintained social distance and wore face masks while doing so. So helping the environment. And staying safe. You'll love to see it. I love that. Um, speaking of the most <laughs> wonderful things existing. You put this in here. Okay, but oh you know, God, I got. Emily. No, I want to hear it. Tell us. What beluga news do you have this week? <laughs> Thank you for asking. I'm so glad you asked. So I did a little search on beluga news this week um, because, you know, apparently this is a. Uh, very hot topic on um, the <laughs> Thank you for writing. <laughs> Just so you all know, um, we now have a Beluga News segment every week. <laughs> all right. So anyway, Beluga News, the best segment of the podcast. Um, so this week, uh, some researchers from Florida Atlantic University down in um, South Florida, they have published this paper, which is really neat. Basically, it says that Beluga whales are the ocean's extroverts. Which, I mean, we already knew that. But um, they have found that they associate not just with their, um, like, family groups. They associate, like, with vast networks of friends. And they might even have Beluga best friends. Which I just think is adorable. Um, That that is adorable. You know, this is something that's pretty neat. Um, In whales and dolphins, you know, they're known to associate with their family groups. They usually have some sort of a loose matriarchal society. Um, but it's really neat that they have done all this research to find out that Belugas, they don't just hang out with their family. They've got all their friends, and they like to hang out with them, too. So now you know. Wow. Very important. And that was Emily B. with Beluga <laughs> News. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's very important. The people need to know. That's true. So who got, who got the zoo news, though? Abby got the zoo news. <laughs> 
This is your segment, too. This is mine. (laughs) All right, so a couple things happened this week, and this week, it's not sad things, you guys. Like, isn't that so nice? Okay. That is so nice. It's so nice. The Houston Zoo had a baby copy. It's so cute. Oh, my God. I've never seen a baby copy. Their ears are too big for their heads, and they are too good for this world. Yeah, that's true. Um, And then another thing that was really really this is so cool to me yesterday the moat the moat marine laboratory announced that they are building a new facility um i think it's an expansion to what they already have and it's called the moat science education aquarium which if you abbreviate that it says moat c (laughs) (laughs) and it looks so cool um they posted something on twitter on july 17th that you can you can check out the like what the building's gonna look like and what some of the inside is gonna look like and i'm just saying that like we should go to the yeah. opening day because I mean, it it looks amazing I'm there. and it's supposed to be like for education purposes specifically so talking more about Ooh. like ocean education rather than just having an aquarium it's really focusing on that and i'm Love very excited that it's gonna be so, so cool are they <laughs> you <hiding>? know <laughs> probably not right at this second but In like the guessing, future <laughs> i'm guessing once because like kenzie, kenzie they haven't yes. like broke ground yet Oh, so, yeah. Far future. No, not super far, though, because they're breaking down <laughs> in September. So Yay! not too bad. Okay. So okay. maybe, like, in, I would say this has got to be, like, a three-year project. It's huge. It says, here's what the design renderings have said. It's going to have hands-on teaching labs, diving programs, scientific demonstrations, and, cr- and interactive technology. It's four stories... Whoa. Whoa. It's four stories. One million gallons of total animal habitats on 12 acres. Wow. It's going to be huge. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's dive right into this week's episode. Oh, boy. (laughs) That is your (laughs) favorite transition. (laughs) It is a good one. I mean, especially when we're just right before talking about marine life but anyway. <laughs> and now we're talking about not that because you mentioned it oh yeah go ahead you know, happy national zookeeper week everybody yes. all you zookeepers out there i love you i want to be you you're all amazing we love you you don't get paid enough oh, we we're tweet. really sorry about that we can't change it because we also don't get paid enough but retweet <laughs> But we appreciate you. Thank you for all the hard work you do. And to show everyone else who doesn't maybe know how hard of work your job is, we're going to go over what it's like from Miss Katie to have a day in the life of a zookeeper. Mm -hmm. But before that, that, we got to figure out what does it mean to be a zookeeper who is considered a zookeeper because it's not everyone who works in the zoo. That is a misconception. Yes. Oh, my goodness. As an educator, so, like, have you, like, gone in there with the rhino? It's like, no, the keepers don't even do that. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I wish, but they won't let me. Yeah, yeah. Which is okay for those listening. That's fine. We know what we signed up for. But 
It's not every <laughs> single person who works at the zoo. So lots of people contribute to the health and well-being of animals and human care. This is going to be a really long list. I'm just going to zoom through it so we can get to the good stuff. There are vet staff, including veterinarians and veterinary technicians. There's day-to-day animal care, which is actually the zookeepers. There are aquarists and marine mammal trainers who take care of aquatic animals. There are many animal care specialties within that, including animal behavior, endocrinology, which is hormones, pathology, research, animal nutrition, bookkeeping for breeding programs, several kinds of veterinary work that includes dental, chiropractic, dermatology, microbiology, rehabilitation, etc., any kind of human specialist doctor, there's also an animal specialist doctor for that. And there are more than that that we do not have time to get into today. So yeah. just sure putting that out there. We but- might mention a few more at the end because um, then you do have like the other people that work at the zoo, like your educators and the ticket booth people, uh-huh. and the actual people that manage you know, the business of the zoo, all that, all that jazz. Yes. But, but we're, we're going to focus. focus. Oh, look at that. We both said it. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> on the zookeepers because that's who we're appreciating this week because they deserve to be appreciated every so, week is national zookeeper week honestly especially the past few months uh mm-hmm. yeah they obviously worked through the pandemic and they had animals to take care of they didn't know there was a pandemic going on they couldn't just be like oh no bro i got you I'll just take care of myself. I'll just not eat. Yeah. A few months. It'll be fine. Uh, no, they, they went in, they did, uh, and they did their job and they deserve a lot of credit for that. So a day in the life of a keeper is a, it's one that starts very early in the day, very, very early in the day. So I have done animal caretaking at a few different facilities, but mainly what I'm going to, uh, talk about is when I was an intern, an animal caretaking intern at the Plumpton Park Zoo in Maryland for a summer. Uh, so obviously the experience of a keeper varies from zoo to zoo, but here's pretty generally what I experienced uh, starting early in the morning. How I had to early? get used to that. Um, it depends. I, as an intern, got to come in a little bit later than the keepers did, uh, but like seven uh, I, I know keepers who come in at like five. I was going to say that's not even that early. So, uh, But to me, that summer in college, it sure felt really early. <laughs> so when you – the reason for that is a lot of the feeding, cleaning, uh, shifting of the animals needs to happen before the zoo even opens. So uh, guests can get the best view of the animals during the day. Uh, so that we don't get dads uh, looking into an enclosure going, oh, look, it's the human exhibit uh, when a keeper is cleaning because we would like to avoid that at all costs. Someone yelled at me and my campers one time. And my campers were like, is that what they feel like all the time? And I was like, yes. Correct. And they're like, we're never saying that again. And I was like, good. Because <laughs> it's, it's not it's, funny. Yeah, it's just. The, the reason it's not funny is we've heard it at least five bajillion times. So gets a little not funny after a while. Uh, But also we want to do a lot of uh, the initial work really early in the morning because it replicates a lot of natural behaviors for many animals that would naturally feed at uh, dawn and dusk. So that's part of it too. Um, But going into the zoo first thing in the morning as a keeper, uh, likely going to just have a pretty general morning meeting and 
you know, go over what needs to be done that day. Uh, if there's any animal birthdays, that's super important. Uh, just, you know, things like that. Uh, basically, like any workplace, you just kind of meet up, discuss what's going to happen that day, and then disperse. Uh, in the zoo I worked at, uh, keepers were assigned different runs. Uh, and as an intern, eventually I would get assigned runs too, which basically meant uh, or gave you what group of animals you'd be taking care of that day. So a lot of the keepers, as zookeepers, stick with specific species or a specific group of animals. So, for example, uh, hoofstock. Um, so generally, you're going to have the same keepers working with the hoofstock day after day. Um, that way, those animals get used to those uh, specific keepers. They develop a relationship with them. They are consistent with their training um, and all those kinds of things. But as an intern... Oh, you were just tossed around to whoever needed you. Yeah. So yeah, I sure did all those runs whenever, whatever they needed me on, I was there to help. But uh, the run itself meant that you were doing the kind of general feeding, cleaning, shifting, and overall wellness check of whatever group of animals you're assigned to. Uh, this would take about two to three hours in the morning, depending on the run. So, for example, one of the runs was the reptile house, where you were in charge of, guess what, the reptile house, which housed not only quite a wait, many reptiles, wait, wait, wait. but also birds. Yes, go ahead. You mean to tell me that the reptile house yeah. houses the reptiles? Yeah, it sure did. <gasps> Wait, wait, but nothing else, right? No amphibians, right? No, it did have some some amphibians, had some invertebrates, and there were a few birds as well. (laughs) For the example we're going with here was the actual reptile house itself, plus any other um, reptiles that were uh, around the zoo, which basically meant any of our tortoises that lived in outdoor enclosures, uh, because we had a few of those. And basically what this run consisted of was you take a scrub brush and you scrub everything there is to scrub and you scrub it hard <laughs> and you, and you scoop the poop this is getting dirty and oh my gosh so basically You're your main job dirty. is to clean everything she until said it scrub shines. it hard yes because that's what you do when you have to clean bird poop off of the thing <laughs> off of the rock I don't know what to tell you but uh the reptile was usually my favorite because reptiles are pretty, like, as far as some other animals are concerned, pretty easy to clean their enclosure because they're generally not in a very, very large enclosure. So, like, as opposed to when we had to clean the giraffe enclosure, <laughs> that was an all-day experience. But That's because uh, their little poops are so small. They they also have a lot of poops. And they walk when they poop. <laughs> they so sure you, do. So, so it sure is literally <laughs> everywhere. You are getting right on the right it's track It's like playing here. Let's Follow the Trail. That's what it mm-hmm. is. Right? You want to hear a fun yes. poop fact? Yes. Oh, boy. Okay. So I read this paper, this scientific paper one time that basically said that across mammals, doesn't matter if you're an elephant or like a little tiny mouse, the average animal can excrete all of their poop in eight seconds. What that is? There's no way. Wait, yeah, that's so. And it basically, it basically was fact. just saying like, <laughs> why do we know this? It's basically <laughs> just saying that like mammals are like efficient, and so like doesn't matter if you're tiny or large, like it takes you the same amount of time to poop. Aside from scooping the poop, which is a lot, uh, 
you obviously, depending on the animal, can't be in the exhibit at the same time as them, uh, you know, like if it's a tiger or something. Uh, so before you can even get in there clean and do all that, you have to shift the animal, uh, which is going to, this is where that training is going to come in handy. Uh, but once you've shifted the animal, you're cleaning out their enclosure, putting in new stuff for them, putting in new food. Uh, my favorite thing, uh, because I worked there in the summer, was we obviously, like for all the animals that had outdoor enclosures, uh, especially our petting zoo animals, we'd have to refill their water um, unless they had a automatic water refill thing, which some of them did. They were fancy <laughs> guys. Peters. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it's called. Um, unless they had that, we had to go and dump their big tubs and refill them or just make sure that they had enough water. Um, and then it was like not too hot for them because it would get very hot in the summer. Katie, I and have a question. Yeah. How Shoot. large were your guns after this? Because I feel like... Oh my god, I was in the fittest shape. I, I feel like you must have been, been ripped that summer. I literally was. Like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> so, like, we had the petting zoo area and in the petting zoo area, all of them had these giant tubs, like a literal tub of water um, that we would just fill up, like refill every day. And during the summer, we'd have to go back and refill it multiple times a day. And dumping those things over that was jacked uh it was great <laughs> it was great um yes there's a lot a lot of physical labor in a zookeeper's in a zookeeper's job um it but is you not get, you never have to work out oh i was because your job swole. is working i would out. i would come home <laughs> you have called yourself jacked and swole and because i seconds. was i wish i could go back to the way i felt that summer <laughs> You don't even know, no, but yeah. Um, but it is physically demanding. I would come home most days and just collapse on the couch and not be able to move after that for uh, a while. So you, you win some, you lose some. But my favorite thing was in the summer when we'd have to go and refill the, the um, pools quite a bit. Uh, the alpacas and some of the other uh, petting zoo animals had kitty pools that we put in their enclosure. And they just like to sit in them or like just do a little splishy splash and then get out. And I just really liked the alpacas, like watching them first gingerly step into the kiddie pool and then crouch down and just like sit there for a second. And then they'd be like, okay, I'm good. And then, you know, I will say out of all the animals that I worked with at the zoo, uh, our llama Gandalf probably scared me the most. Yeah, because, well, we called him Gandalf because, well, his name was Gandalf before I got there. That but would be a good reason uh, to call him Gandalf. It, it was, <laughs> there, was, there were two llamas. We had Gandalf and Princess. And uh, we called, they called him Gandalf because uh, you will not get past me to go to Princess. <laughs> he was very protective of her. He, that has uh, big Kenzie energy. So... When when it came to shearing day, when uh, we had to shear all of the, it was the beginning of summer, all the sheep, the alpacas, and the llamas had to be sheared, which basically means they get their floofy floof uh, off so they're not as hot because <laughs> uh, it can continue growing forever and they'll get way too overheated in the summer. Um, and then you get wool, so that's cool. But uh, we had to shear princess <laughs> and Gandalf was like, absolutely not. I will stomp on you all before that happens. Uh, so it was, that was a fun day. I remember that very clearly. Uh, I had to hold down a llama. Never done that before. 
So aside from water, obviously another thing we had to do was feed out all the animals. And depending on the run that you were doing, uh, example, if you were doing a large hoof stock or petting zoo, uh, anything that required hay, also a great way to get swole. Um, Because you pretty much, it it becomes like when you um, do a shopping trip and you come home and you got all your grocery bags and you're like, "I I could do this in all in one trip. Uh, so picture me with our golf cart uh, full of hay that needs to be brought into the enclosure to the place where they, you know, the animals get it from. And I'm like, I can carry all this hay in one trip in my two arms. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, the animals really liked that because I would drop a lot uh, <laughs> on my way there. So they were just munching it. Yeah, they were you're like, just oh, cool. there to please the animals. And so I feel like yeah. you're just doing the right the the correct work correct and when I also mentioned shifting before um this is a fun little story about what zookeepers go through uh, when it comes to shifting animals sometimes they don't want to shift uh could just be for petty reasons honestly (laughs) um or just because they don't feel like it but you have to basically entice them with whatever possible to get them to shift however in the case of a sulcata tortoise named tank Sometimes um, you don't want to move, even though it's there's a big storm coming and you have to move the tortoise inside for his own safety because uh, you don't want him to be outside during this big storm. But, you know, his name is Tank because he weighs a lot. He's a big sulcata tortoise. Uh, so you need three keepers to help lift him inside the barn. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, similarly, yeah. uh the bears at one of the zoos I used to work at, their favorite like storms coming treat was Twinkies. Uh, Amazing Twinkies. I'm here yeah, for it. Yeah, like like the yellow cake. Yeah, no, I know what the stuff is. Inside. I just did not think that was something you'd want to feed a bear. Yeah, I don't. They, 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 that was the one for like the extra special time. Like, oh, this is when we're like. You know, it's a tornado, so you have to go inside, but it's like, oh, if you go inside, you get a Twinkie. Apparently, it's not bad for them. Because I asked, I was like, isn't that bad for them? And they're like, "Eh, it's not any worse than it is for you. I was just going to say, it's not great for us. (laughs) No, but it's not like it's going to kill, like, they're not going to feed them anything that's going to kill them. Like, (laughs) that's not how it works. But I thought that was really funny that Twinkies. Mm -hmm. So... So yeah, you, you work with what you got when it comes to shipping animals. But let's say you've done your run. Keepers uh, have done their morning general. And this is very basic uh, care for the animals. So like I said, you're cleaning. You are putting out food. You're doing kind of an overall, like, how do the animals look? They all behaving normally. They're shifting. Cool. Great. Uh, and checking that off your list. So you're done with that. And it's been an hour or two. It's been probably three hours. And you go back and it's like, whew. How much poop sure is on you at this tiring point? tiring because, yeah, I'm already covered in poop, already shoveled a lot of it. And uh, I'm sweating a lot. But the great news is, or at least as an intern, um, this is not the job. Not all keepers do this. But um, some zoos, their keepers also uh, are the nutritionists or the ones that prepare the diets for the animals so uh after i'd finish a run go back to the kitchen and start prepping diets for another hour or two Woo. 
but the good thing was the uh, kitchen was air conditioned. Mm. So I actually loved doing it because so I also it- got to walk into the fridge. <laughs> yeah, no, because I would be walking in and out of the walk-in fridge or freezer. Uh, and so that felt great. And they're like, wow, Katie's been in that freezer like seven times. Oh, today. I would stand in it all the time. <laughs> it was the hot days that summer and you're working outside all day. I'll stand in a fridge for a bit. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so a lot of chopping of veggies, um, very, you have to be very precise when you're creating an animal's diet. Uh, you don't want to give them too much, too little, want to follow what is right for that animal. Uh, and once you finish with that, it was, uh, weekly chores. So uh, I called these weekly chores, but because they would vary on a day-to-day basis, but Basically, it's things like that people don't think about too often when it comes to what keepers have to do. Um, So that's doing things like restocking the food. Uh, So we had something called like a grain shed where we kept all of the grain that we fed our animals. So like the pellets, the um, like chow, that kind of stuff uh, that we would feed to our animals. We'd keep it all in this one trailer. Uh, it had to be restocked really often because guess what? When you feed animals, the food runs out. They eat a lot. Shocking. They do. What animal uh, ate the they most? They do. They do. Our, I think our giraffe, definitely. Uh, I remember just... I had to fill up his feed bucket a few times and, and carrying that thing over to <laughs> his enclosure was uh, also a workout. Shocking. They're just constantly munching. Yeah, that too. So, like, obviously you're refilling hay a lot. You're refilling with uh, our giraffe, uh, many, a lot of romaine lettuce. That was his favorite. Uh, so it just depended on the animal. But yes, you go through a lot of food. Uh, things like shoveling out hay, I already mentioned, takes a lot of time. And you have to do that throughout the day because you got a lot of grazers. That's what they do. They graze all day. We had a lot of goats. Holy cow. Oh, a lot of goats use, in the petting zoo. They use goats in Minnesota to help keep prairie grasses down. They sure they're great lawnmowers. Isn't that um, so cute? But you don't want them completely destroying the lawn in their enclosure. Well, that's so you why gotta you keep them, them with a lot of hay. That's why you but rent the goat. My favorite thing I got to do as an intern and as an animal uh, keeper was something called a muck run. Let me tell y'all. That sounds like a poop run. It sure is yeah. a poop run, as yeah. funny as it sounds. So when you are cleaning out, for example, the zebra enclosure, huge field for the zebras that we had, um, you had to go through the entire field with a shovel and a uh, trash can, and you scoop up the poop, you put it in the trash can. Guess what? Eventually, the trash can is going to get heavy. Uh, so what happens at that point, you don't want to make it too heavy that you can't, you know, move it out of the enclosure. Uh, me and generally another intern would go around in a golf cart and collect all the trash cans and bring them uh, to where we would dispose of it properly. And here's my question. Were the zebras still in there when you're doing this? Um, <laughs> absolutely not. Oh, my God. I was going to say, because zebras are mean, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, either had, um, because it was so big, we would have someone feeding them all the way on the other end, so they were, like, distracted, or we would ship them into their barn area. I literally... they they get very um, not super happy when you're in the same area with them. Oh, yeah. I literally <laughs> had a guest tell me today that, oh, some zebras, do you think we could ride them? 
There's a reason why <gasps> no! We do, no one has ever written a zebra except for in Swiss Family Robinson, which or that one stupid movie where the, where the zebra was the racehorse. Yeah, racing stripes. Oh my god, racing stripes. <laughs> do y'all remember that movie? I, I do. Oh my that gosh, was a memory listen. That I, think I had the commercial. Yeah, I loved that movie as a child, and now I regret everything. <laughs> You just yeah. you look at it and you're like, that's a choice that we shouldn't have made. No, they're <laughs> they're not nice. <laughs> the best. Uh, sorry, I'm still thinking about muck runs because it was really something I did quite often as an intern. I I don't I mean, know why they would make the interns do it's it. It's almost no like idea. you're on the low end of the totem pole uh, and they don't want to <laughs> scoop up poop uh, all day. Um. Well, that was a, that was the thing. Like we weren't scooping it; we were just collecting the the poop trash cans and dumping them out which does sound disgusting and it was if you were wondering i lost my sense of smell by the end of the summer uh i feel bad for my roommates when i would get back to my apartment and just be like yes i know i'm getting in the shower like here's Um, a hot here's a hot tip for aspiring zookeepers get roommates that are also aspiring zookeepers because they'll be way more understanding than the people (laughs) than just like random people they were understanding but uh the funny thing was uh, over the summer, uh, this is in Maryland, uh, but, you know, you'd have thunderstorms and a lot of rain happen on whatever certain days. So if we knew there was a storm coming, like we would get in that morning and they'd be like, you guys need to do the muck one right now. Because uh, I don't know if you could imagine, but if water would get into that. Oh, uh, no, no. That trash can um, that already oh. was filled about halfway with poop. Soup, poop, uh, soup. so we would literally like there were days when all of a sudden the thunderstorm would roll in out of nowhere and like you'd hear over the radio like our manager would be like we need to do a muck run right now and like the interns would drop what they were doing and like we would speed on that golf course to get these yeah gross so fun um so those were like things that we did you know every few days every other day Unless yes, there was a rainstorm, then they're all unless like, today, there was a today. And drop everything. Uh, but that was done once, like, these were pro- things that were done once everyone was done with the general caretaking in the morning. So now at this point, the animals have been taken care of and their basic needs have been met. Now we can move on to what people think zookeepers do all day long, which is training and enrichment. Which is the best part, right? It is, yes. I mean yes <laughs> it, it is a very very fun and very rewarding and very fulfilling part of being a keeper um however it is a very small part of the zookeeper's day and i think a lot of people don't realize that it is not just constantly playing with the animals or hanging out with them and watching them uh there is a lot of behind the scenes work that needs to get done in order to make sure these animals are getting the best care possible and that does include training and enrichment um, now, as an intern, I didn't get to partake as much in these things because, uh, like, you know, I was mucking, mucking, uh, You're too enclosures and stuff. Soup. Yeah. So I was doing that, but, uh, often the keepers would invite us to, uh, either shadow and watch them do training, um, or they would let us help them make enrichment for the animals. Oh. So like I mentioned earlier, a lot of the keepers have the animals that they specifically work with and that's that's who they work with that's what they are going to be doing on a daily basis so they're the ones that are kind of 
in charge of making a training schedule and enrichment schedule um, and making sure that this happens for the animals every day. Uh, I remember like one of my first weeks there, it was like the first day I'd finally gotten a handle on uh, getting everything done in a timely manner. Uh, and I was finally able to go up to a keeper and be like, Hey, I'm like done with my chores. I felt like a teenager. <laughs> I was like, I'm done with my chores. Like, can I, can I play the Xbox now? No. I was like, can I, uh, like, is there any like, uh, training or enrichment you're going to do today? And she was like, Oh my goodness. Yes. I would have been meaning to make, um, bird enrichment. And she showed <gasps> me all these supplies they had and I got to make bird toys. Oh. I got to go put them in their exhibits, and it was, like, the best. I was so happy. Uh, the birds were pretty jazzed about it, too. <laughs> um, and my other favorite experience was uh, I got to work with – guys, oh, my God, signings. Signings. <gasps> no. Oh. Yes. Hi. Drop them in here. So – I got to work with one of the keepers pretty closely and she took me uh, when she was going to go do training with the Simings and she was doing a combination of training and enrichment that day. So we were painting with them. Um, so obviously uh, paint that is safe for animals. Uh, you can get it for like toddlers too. It's basically safe for them to get all over their hands and then lick it off if they really want, want to. If they eat um, big amounts, it's not a big deal. No, it's totally safe. Um, but the training that she got to practice or do with them was touch, um, which is really important when you're trying to examine an animal is having them reach out their hand and touch something. Uh, so what she was having them touch was the canvas um, that she'd splattered some paint on. And we were doing this with grapes, so they were very happy. <laughs> so every time they touched the, the canvas, uh, they would get a grape. Uh, and I got to keep the painting after because she knew they were my favorites at the zoo. We had a mated pair, uh, and I loved them a very, perk. very much. Yeah, I. So that was a big perk. But like I said, it was maybe uh, an hour of a keeper's day, or an hour or two um, is devoted to that. Um, when it comes to enrichment, actually, it can be a lot more time if you're building something. However, you're building something. You're not. The, the actual giving it to the animal and watching them interact with it usually is about two minutes. <laughs> well, because uh, they like it or they don't. Ever, yeah, exactly. It's, an, it's, it's always, it's a hit or miss. And that's why it's a constant like um, game of trying to come up with new ideas and, uh, you know, seeing what works and what doesn't. Cause you know, sometimes I buy a toy for my cat and he is like, this is disgusting. Why would you ever give this to me? And then he finds a hair tie on the ground and he is like, this is a gift from God. Thank you so much for this. Uh, so, you know, it depends. Ellie's uh, favorite after, toy is a piece of paper. There you go. And mulch. Exactly. And mulch. And mulch, dirt, pieces of paper. That's the dream. You know what? That's My cat stuff. just really loves hair ties. I think a lot of cats do. I don't know what it is about them, but they're fun. So at this point, uh, oh my goodness, you collapse on the floor, right? Maybe. Um, that's sure what I felt like doing. But actually, when I would get back to the kitchen at the end of the day, uh, it was usually dishes that needed to be done. So yeah, that's my least favorite dishes. chore. Lots of dishes. And then I go home with like the little wet patch on my tummy. 
<laughs> oh my god, I know exactly. What I don't you're know talking if about. anyone else gets. I got you. you know? I got yeah. you for sure. You know when you're at the sink and you're doing dishes and your shirt just gets really wet because you're not good at it. <laughs> I used to work as a dishwasher at a restaurant, and that was like the worst part of my job was the wet patch on your shirt. So I that was heavily literally relate. Me every day when I left the zoo, I heavily um, relate. That actually uh, forgot. There were some days where we, we would go in, and the big project—I I guess you could call these projects like big projects that needed to be done—but they were a little less often than the like weekly chores were. Um, would be like we come in, and our manager says, "Okay, the giraffe indoor giraffe enclosure needs a de- uh, needs to be disinfected," um, which was something that happens pretty frequently with animal exhibits um, in order to keep them healthy. Um, you, so as you can imagine, a large indoor exhibit for a giraffe, certainly not something one person could do. So everyone had to make time in their day to basically meet in the giraffe enclosure and deep clean the heck out of it, uh, which time. was a lot. It took quite a many hours, uh, but something that had to be happen again for the well-being of the animals. Uh, so these are the things people don't generally consider when it comes to what a zookeeper does. Uh, are those projects that have to be done, the general just caretaking in the morning and in the evening. Um, so I said we, I get back, I would get back, collapse on the floor. Um, just kidding, you actually have to write up reports of what you did all day. Uh, because you, zoos do a heck of a job, at least the ones that I've known and worked at at record keeping uh and so basically we'd have to write down what animals we like fed how much we fed how much did they eat uh how were they behaving uh was medication given was locked up all that jazz uh, before you left for the day that had to be filled out and signed another question Uh, no exceptions yes how many times did you like get done with your thing, start walking out the door, and then be like, but did I lock that lock? Oh, it's every zookeeper's nightmare. <laughs> it's literally, uh, like, you know you locked it, but you're like, did I lock it, though? Did you ever, like, run back and be like, I'm going to just check? There were, yes, time. because as an intern, I was, like, even more nervous of, like, not locking something. Um, and it was kind of funny because being an intern, like all the keepers had their own personal set of keys, um, but the interns had this big pink stick with the keys attached, <laughs> to like a bathroom pass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because we had to give it back at the end of the day, obviously. Um, so, like, I also would get super paranoid that, like, I would I'd leave it places because it was, you know, like so big that I couldn't just like keep it in my back pocket. Um, but meanwhile, that's exactly where it would be. It would just be sticking out. And I'd be like, where's the keys? And there'd be this giant pink thing like sticking out of my back pocket. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, before leaving, uh, did I sit in the car and think, uh, wow, golly gosh, I sure hope the tortoises are not going to escape tonight. Of course, of course I did. Even though I checked it 15 times before I left their barn area. Uh, Such is life. But uh, we, that would kind of be the last thing a zookeeper, I'd say, has to do in their day is uh, record keeping. 
and locking up and making sure all the animals are good to go before they get out of there. Uh, we had a, at the zoo I worked at, we had a keeper that actually lived on property um, oh. in case of, yeah, an overnight emergency. Uh, a lot of zoos have 24 hour staff, which is amazing if they can do that. Uh, or they got lots of cameras and someone's usually there. So neato. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was a day in the life. It's just one and day. Didn't even, yeah, really cover, I feel like, anything. <laughs> that, because, that, like, it's just, it can vary so drastically from day to day. Um, like, for example, uh, an animal is getting a physical that day. Everything's put on hold uh, until, you know, you're able to safely get that animal. Like, if it's not, you know, having its physical done and then it's, it's enclosure, getting that animal where it has to be. Uh, getting that animal back, <laughs> uh, making sure they're okay during the, pre- you know, it's, it, it varies wildly. Um, and it, and it's busy, but it's, it was very rewarding and I would love to go right back and do those muck runs again. You'll get there, girl. Thank you. We <laughs> believe in you. Awaits you. Your poop soup yes. awaits you. <laughs> listen, listen, it's, I don't know. Did we talk about Binturong poop in another episode? We did. Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure. Just, <laughs> just got to make sure we cover that. Okay. So side note. It smells note. like popcorn. It does. <laughs> so the, if you guys don't follow the International Congress of Zookeepers on Facebook, you might have missed this meme. But. Um, oh, my gosh. Was it the Binturong one? Yeah. And you know where that came from? The mm. Keeper Chat podcast. Oh That's who originated it. Nice. There's yes. a Binturong meme that's just so good. Oh, where did it go? I'm trying to find it. We should it put it funny. on our. We should put it on our Instagram because. <laughs> well, Katie, you talked a lot about uh, the day in the life of the keeper, including a lot of the various jobs that you play. Um, but just to reinstate that, as a zookeeper, you end up wearing. So many different hats, um, specifically so because most zoos don't have the funds to have, like, separate roles for everything. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the one we work at, like, we're very fortunate to be able to hire, like, veterinary technicians and nutritionists and endocrinologists, whereas most places, they don't have that at all, and the zookeeper has to do all of the above. <laughs> so... Just an example of some of the hats that a zookeeper can wear. Um, a lot of the time, zookeepers are expected to be educators, um, where they need to host keeper chats and have animal ambassador talks. And sometimes that includes actually leaving the zoo to do um, to bring your am- animal ambassadors to schools or workplaces, which would be so cool. Listen, if you have an office job, and you're, like, running that office, you need to bring a zoo to your office. <laughs> I think that'd be so cool. But anyways, <laughs> um, Katie did mention, like, building enrichment, and that's something that keepers have to do a lot of that I think gets overlooked sometimes is the maintenance side of work, where I've heard keepers say that they have to work on, like, mm-hmm. electrical units, and they mm-hmm. need to use power tools <laughs> I, uh, a little side note here i built an enclosure for rabbits uh when i was an intern I did i it. know how to do that 
Absolutely not. Did I learn how to? I absolutely <laughs> did. You know, um, that's a lot of keeping. <laughs> yes. You learn so and you, you do what you have to for your animals, and that's pretty much it. You'll you'll learn how to build an enclosure if you have to. I feel like from what I've heard of zookeepers, because um, we all know that I would be a terrible, terrible zookeeper. Um, from from what I understand, it's a lot of people just saying go do this and you kind of saying okay i'm gonna go do this and then that's how you learn yeah yeah it's basically on the job training which i personally i like but yeah it's a lot of independent work um yeah i would say it is it is Mm -hmm. uh yeah you gotta you could be alone for a while but at the same time you also have a big team to work with so you also have to work on a team well and lots of animals uh that i guess you could have a conversation with (laughs) they might not talk back but the the, the minnesota zoo oh my goodness for zookeeper week what they're like interviewing different keepers and one of the questions they're asking them is do you baby talk to your animals and all of them say yes and it's just so pure especially the birds because they'd answer you back I mean, they'd usually just do it back at you, which I thought was really cute. I mean, not going to lie, I definitely baby talk to the animals, and I don't work with them. Mm. Just like, mm. really, hey, really, really cute bird story about this one bird that I worked with. Um, he needed medication every day, which was like a little, um, like, dropper of just some, some medication. Um, and he, he would go in, and it, I guess it tasted good to him because he, like, would do it no problem. Um, he'd open his mouth and you'd just drop it in and he'd be like, thank you. Um, but Aww. when you would, when you would go in, um, and he saw you had it in your hand, cause he would get it at the end of the day. Um, he would come over and go, I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. Oh my goodness. Because that was what the keeper said to him. That's adorable. They would give it to him was he's a good boy. You're a good boy. You're a good boy. Or I guess he would say, yeah, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. Um, which killed me. <laughs> what? Like, you know, he, he was repeating it because he he saw the medicine and he was like, "Oh, this is what they always say to me, so I'm going to repeat it." And like, he's probably like, hard. "Oh, they're coming in oh. with I'm a good boy." Yes, I guess so. I did killed me uh, a lot. It was a great bird. I loved him. So yeah. Um, oh yeah. I will also say that as a. Uh, <laughs> As an animal caretaking intern, I uh, also did parking lot duty a lot. Um, oh, my God. There were days when we were absolutely packed and we needed someone in the parking lot directing cars. And uh, that was that was my, my least favorite thing to do yeah. in that internship. But I think... it really, you know, shows that you can you can end up doing whatever they need you that day. Yeah, uh, I think and... as a zookeeper, you literally end up helping with anything that either directly relates to animals or just, like, general zoo operations. (laughs) I mean, that's true, though, because I remember when I was a camp instructor, we had these ducks that always escaped. And it's not a big deal, (laughs) right? Because they can't fly, but they just found a hole in the fence they could always fit through. And it didn't matter how many times we fixed the hole, they would always... Yeah, it's how ducks be. be. And I remember I I heard the call on the radio one morning, and I'm not supposed to assist, right, because I'm not animal care, we had these big old panoramic windows and so I'd go sit by the windows and I'd watch as all the keepers from every section, big cats and primates 
heard these two <laughs> tiny little ducks. They were white-faced yeah. whistling ducks, which, if you don't know, are, like, itty-bitties, like, back into their enclosure. And every time, it was just, like, hysterical. But it was a great, like, that's how zoos work, is if one section needs help, all the people come. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of zookeepers that are cross-trained in different sections in case somebody, yes. like, has an emergency. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. The cross train, like I mentioned, that zookeepers can specialize, and you can end up working with, you know, just primates or just large cats or whatever it may be. Um, But in reality, they've probably worked with every other animal before that, um, because that's how you work up to be like a specialized zookeeper is by doing general animal care. And you probably still get over working into the niche. Yeah, and I'm sure there's days where. Uh, you get pulled somewhere else, but uh, sometimes that's really fun. It changes things up, and you learn about other animals, so cool things. Yeah, some yeah. of, like, the other things that keepers get busy with <laughs> every day with their different jobs. Um, like I mentioned that, like, as a nutritionist, not a lot of zoos have that. So as a keeper, not only do you have to prepare diets – you have to actually create the diets. Um, so get ready for uh, some kitchen work. If you don't know how to use a knife, you're going to learn. <laughs> well, my chopping <laughs> skills were immaculate. <laughs> so aside from being super fit, I was also a great chopper. You could probably make a good stir fry. <laughs> yes. Yes, oh, yeah. I could. <laughs> um, and then a lot of keepers have to step in to be a veterinarian's assistant where they have to aid in restraint of yep. the animal. Yeah. Uh, delivering medications, um, and sometimes even making, like, aiding in making serious medical decisions for the Mm -hmm. animal. Um, Not fun ones either. No. Right. But something fun, uh, a lot of times they, oh. It's time! (laughs) Um, But a lot of times something fun is they get to assist in conservation projects, um, if their zoo is fortunate to be able to have research, um, they can assist on research with their animals. But um, like I said, literally everything. Basically, zookeepers do it all. <laughs> uh, assist is the same idea, and like when you ass- like they have to assist the veterinarian because the animals are comfortable. They see the keepers every day. The animals trust the keepers. They're the ones that do the training with them, mm-hmm. so they're the ones that have to be with that animal, whether someone else is performing research or someone else is doing a medical procedure. Someone else is uh, bringing in a a camera crew for publicity for the zoo. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have to make sure the animal is comfortable with that. So they are there no matter what. (laughs) So important, Uh, which is awesome. Why we appreciate them. We love so, um, Katie, How I just have to say that... Come as you keep her, y'all. <laughs> I'm well, still trying to figure that out. You send I know Katie's podcast. trying to be... <laughs> literally, I was just going to say, Katie's trying to be a zookeeper, so, like, I'm I think trying. next time you apply, you should mm-hmm. just send them this podcast as your mm-hmm. resume. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and if anybody is hiring... hurt me, but... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone out there um, needs a keeper, <laughs> I will move. You got me. Uh, just uh, let me work with your primates and we'll be all very happy. Just kidding, I'll work with anything. <laughs> but mostly <laughs> yeah, primates. Dude. But mostly primates. Yeah. The Honolulu how... Zoo is hiring for an animal keeper. 
Well, that's a little that's a little far. Tampa Zoo is hiring. Mm, I sure have applied. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for saying though. So. <laughs> And, right, but so, yeah, getting into this field ain't easy. And go for it, Kenzie. Tell us how not yeah. easy it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was just about to ask, well, what does become a zookeeper? Uh, better sit down and buckle up, y'all. So I'm about to step on a soapbox here in a little bit. So to become a zookeeper, the requirements have definitely changed in the past couple of decades, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, most but the pay hasn't. Not- <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> Yeah, oh so, boy, that's the tea. Piping <laughs> hot, scalding tea. So most accredited AZA zoos require that their keepers have at least a bachelor's degree in a related field. So biology, wildlife and fishery science, zoology, uh, you name it, anything that has to do with animal care. Or, or in a degree related field. <laughs> or not sometimes. There are a bunch of keepers that I know who have anthropology degrees. That's literally yes. just humans, but somehow yeah. a lot of them end up being zookeepers. The main lesson is there's no straight path to being a zookeeper. Uh, a lot of times it just happens. <laughs> Again, still trying to figure that. But there are also teaching schools for zookeeping. Uh, Emily, I think you have some experience with a couple of those. Oh, just with one. So. Back in the day when I wanted to be a zookeeper, (laughs) Um, I applied to Santa Fe College. Um, It's an incredible facility. It's a teaching zoo. Um, And a lot of very big, uh, well-respected AZA facilities hired directly from Santa Fe. Um, So if zookeeping is your dream and you're in high school, that's a place like Santa Fe is the place to go. Um, but you know, I, I got in and then I was like, oh, maybe I'll become a veterinarian, but, um, joke's on me because I did neither. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how it usually be. So you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fine. But like, uh, some of you were saying though, there are still zookeepers out there who may not necessarily have gotten a degree or went to a teaching school for zookeeping, but what they did have was lots of hands-on animal experience uh, to work in a zoo, yeah. especially an AZA zoo. They usually require experience from an AZA credited zoo. I literally, I it's my biggest like no joke. It's my biggest pet peeve is when they're like, "We would like you to have two years paid AZA experience," and it's like, "Okay, or an entry level job." How and am I, I gonna? Like- how am I gonna get that? If every AZA institution requires two years paid AZA, well, and here's the thing: they don't just say paid experience; they say paid animal care experience. Yeah, usually it's paid AZA experience too. If you're looking at an AZA zoo, but whatever, this is a whole nother topic. (laughs) Just know this if you're interested. In cases like that, my go-to phrase is always just apply because the worst that can happen is they say no, but at least they know that you've applied. Um, But Mm -hmm. lots of animal experience in general, whether it's at another zoo, a research center, nature center, rehab, aquarium, etc. Also, a lot of unpaid internships. Or volunteering, and this is where my soapbox comes in. Yeah, I know. So we're get on this soapbox yeah. because it's a necessary soapbox. Here we Let's go. <laughs> so, unfortunately, to get a lot of animal experience, especially in recent years, like we said earlier, it's unpaid. A lot of unpaid internships and volunteering, and some of these internships I've looked require full time. 
Now, yep. this is ridiculous. Now, I understand zoos are not necessarily made of money. I mean, we just talked earlier about how they can barely afford to pay their employees, I would argue. Yes. Um, but because they're mostly 501c nonprofits. Um, mm-hmm. And all the, all the money goes to the animals and their care, which understandable. It's but, expensive. You know, it's real expensive, and it bars a lot of people who may come from lower-income classes and socioeconomic backgrounds to participate and get that experience. And that's really sad because there are lots of people out there who would be totally qualified and mm-hmm. would make fantastic keepers, but because they cannot get that unpaid volunteer or internship experience because they don't have that privilege, yeah. they're not able to really get there. And it makes it so much more harder for them to break into the field, which is ridiculous, especially with our younger generation, because we're drowning in student debt. We've been facing what, how many recessions have we had in our lifetime now, too? Oh, just a couple. Just a couple. You know, it's fine. Couple pandemic tax school shootings. It's fine. Anyways. Well, only one um, pandemic so far. Let's just keep it that way. I'm good. So far. Um, so that's, that's a huge issue. So advocate for that. And, you know, if you find a paid internship, those are pretty competitive. So just get as much experience as you possibly can, but it's okay if you can't, because it's important to take care of yourself, especially in these days and times. So even um, if that, that means like volunteering once a week somewhere where it's not like taking too much time away from your life that you can do it, but, um, Obviously, if you do that for a year, that adds up. You know? I would also mm-hmm. say that looks great. It's great to find a mentor if you can. Mm. Yes. Um, those are helpful. And then if you, let's say that you, you can't do an unpaid internship and you, like, there's for some reason, or you're trying to get into the field, go have meet and greets with zookeepers. Because a lot of people, a lot of them will do that if you're genuinely looking for career advice or want to make a career in that people will talk to you and if you are out there and putting yourself out there so that you can you know be seen the more visual you are the more likely you have a job offer I know there's this my professor told a story there's a girl that went to my college that really liked marine mammals and she had like a little experience and then she went to a conference right and she got a job at the conference before she graduated because she was networking, like out the gate mm-hmm. as a marine Crazy. mammal. Trainer, Listen, which is connections. Impossible. Connections are everything. You yeah. need them. To to kind of reiterate what Kenzie said, though, uh, I would not have been able to do that internship had I not um, had housing at my college and was given a grant from my college because it was unpaid for the entire summer. And your girl didn't have the gas money to get there and back unless they (laughs) gave me that grant. So it was an hour, hour drive there and back. Uh, I really wanted to do it. (laughs) So it it really, it it is a privilege. um, And that should be made more available to uh, people than it is right now. Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. Um, So as we've been saying before, it, it can be a pretty hard field to break into, and especially as the requirements for it become more and more competitive. But again, networking is great. Um, and also make sure you continue to maintain a really good work ethic because the zoo field can be uh, kind of small. You know, we're just get around about your work ethic and it can really make an impression on people. So yeah. True that. 
Yeah, it's a small community. I mean, it's large, yeah. but it's small. <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> yeah. If that makes any sense. So well, thank that you, zookeepers. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yes, you, thank you. They, they put in some grueling work, uh, and they wouldn't do it if they didn't have the love for the animals and the love for the job itself. Um, before we conclude, I just really, really want to say this quote. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite quotes from... I don't actually know how to say Meryl. Uh, I think it's Meryl. Meryl Nelson, who is a keeper at the Brookfield Zoo, uh, who said, quote, our quality of care is their quality of life. And Mm -hmm. that's it, baby. (laughs) That is it. I quote that on the daily when I talk about uh, zookeeping and animal caretaking. And that's it. Well, this week for your conservation (laughs) connection... Yes. You should definitely support your local zoos and aquariums. Follow your dreams, children. We support you. If you have questions about how to break in to the animal science zoo field, email us at conservationqueens at gmail or conservationqueenspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like a podcast that is similar to ours, but focused much more on animals and zookeeping, definitely recommend Keeper Chat. That one is rated R. But shout out to Florida and Flora and Fauna. Y'all are my favorites. Um, I'm one of their patrons. I love them so much. And they are always willing to answer questions about um, becoming a zookeeper as well. They have some really good, they call them quick and dirties, uh, where they answer fan questions about like resume writing, compassion fatigue, all kinds of really great stuff. So definitely check that out if you want to become a zookeeper. Um, And if there's a zookeeper in your life, Show them appreciation this week, and maybe not just with free ice cream, because we love free ice cream, but you could also maybe be like, I really appreciate the hard work you do for your animals. Write them letters. If you are a zookeeper, you probably have a list of, like, and, and like, a little binder of things that kids have sent you, and it's always the greatest thing. Truth. All right. Our announcements this week. We are now still on all the major podcasting platforms, so make sure you download Conservation Queens and tell all of your friends. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Conservation Queens Podcast and email us at ConservationQueensPodcast at gmail.com. All right, y'all. This was a good one. Thanks for sharing yes. your experiences, Katie. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, zookeepers. Yes, thank thank you, zookeepers. Thank and- you for caring for the animals that we have fell in love with visiting zoos and aquariums yes and now everybody else go out there and stay sustainable bye bye bye